reading from Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with the spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on one of those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Larry. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Last week, we started a sermon series called What's Next? And in this series, we are asking you to seriously consider where you are in your spiritual journey and what your next right step is that will keep you moving toward God, moving forward in your own spiritual formation and growth. In other words, the question we want you to be asking is, is just this, what is my next right step? Lord, what is the next right step that you would have me to take? What is the next right step in obedience to you? What is the next right step that will help me grow in relationship and true community with other people? What is my next right step in serving others? And, and as you've probably noticed, if you've even looked in your worship guide for a little bit, we've got as many opportunities as we can lay before you for you to step in and hopefully take a next right step in many of those areas. But we don't want you to just be active in doing. We really want you to take that inward journey as well and consider what is the next right step even deeper in my spiritual formation. Now, our scripture text for this morning shows us that God's people, the people of Israel in Jesus' time, they had a next right step that they needed to take, a step that would involve them surrendering their current understanding of what it meant to keep Sabbath. A step that if they took it would open their eyes and bring them into the true Sabbath rest that God promised to them. Now, since we are not Jewish and we have not been raised in a first century Jewish culture, we don't always understand when we read in scripture why the, the leaders the spiritual leaders of the day were so incredibly protective of the Sabbath or why they got so hot and bothered with Jesus whenever he would heal somebody on the Sabbath, which in fact was something that Jesus did on the regular. I mean, just read the Gospels and you see Jesus doing this, breaking this rule over and over Again, all four gospel writers share multiple accounts of conflicts Jesus had 
with the spiritual leadership of his day precisely because he was, in their eyes, not keeping the Sabbath. In the Gospel of John, for instance, we see a group of Pharisees approach a man who Jesus had just healed of his blindness, and he's giving glory to God, and he's telling about this man that healed him, and they say, this man is not from God. Why? For he does not keep the Sabbath. So clearly, the spiritual leadership and Jesus had a different understanding of what observing or honoring the Sabbath looked like. And so how Jesus understood Sabbath compared to how the spiritual leadership was practicing and enforcing the keeping of the Sabbath is is what we want to dig into this morning. Because like I said, God was inviting his people to move forward with him. God was inviting them into greater life, more abundant, joy-filled life, but their grip on the Sabbath, which they really thought was the way they were honoring God. I mean, I want you to really appreciate that. They thought that was the best way to honor God, but their grip on the Sabbath was something that was preventing them from entering fully into the life and the blessings that God had for them. Now, it can be easy for us, or I'll just speak for myself, it can be easy for me to judge them when I read accounts like this on the pages of scripture, but then when I pause and I really think about it, I see that there have been times, plenty of times in my life when God has called me to move forward with him, and I just couldn't do it, or I just wouldn't do it, because I had a grip on something that I wouldn't surrender And it wasn't until I loosened my grip and I chose to let go that I was then able to experience growth and transformation and therefore see and experience the greater abundance and joy of God in my life. So you see, while this situation and these struggles and arguments over Sabbath may be a little bit foreign to us in some ways, we have the same struggle. Right, it may be over different issues, but the heart of the struggle is the same. Surrendering is hard. Surrendering is hard. It takes trust. It takes humility. And it often takes a willingness to change the way we think. To recognize that maybe we aren't always right about everything. Maybe God doesn't just fit in this tidy little box that we've been comfortable with. Maybe God wants to push us out of our comfort zones. Maybe there's more. You know, maybe what we're trying to satisfy ourselves with is just insufficient. And maybe the grip we have on those things is precisely what is causing the stranglehold we feel around our own joy and peace. So before we jump into our passage for today, which I want to encourage you, if you've got your own Bibles with you, make sure you've got it open to Luke 13. We've got Pew Bibles uh, here for you, but I know many of you have got a smartphone with you right now that you can access the Bible app, Luke 13. But before we jump into that, let's just get a handle on, on what Sabbath was, okay? Sabbath was a gift from God to his people that reminded them how God freed them from the slavery of endless work when they were in Egypt. Practicing a weekly Sabbath was a way they could continue 
to bring rest into their lives. It was a day where they were free from their work, but they were freed to worship, to worship God in the presence of one another, to enjoy God's presence, to enjoy the presence of others, to delight in what God had provided, and to remember that they were not solely responsible for their own care and keeping, that God was the one who provided everything they needed. It was a day for community and family and enjoying the company of God and others. It was a picture of sorts and an experience of something that was lost when humanity rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, that perfect community and rest in the midst of their work. Their work was restful before the fall. It was that experience that this Sabbath was pointing back to, but while it was doing that, and while it was a gift for the present, right, it also pointed to a future reality, a greater reality, when another Adam would come and he would live in faithful partnership, in full relationship, full of God's people free once and for all from the slavery of sin and death. Now that is beautiful. But what had Sabbath become? It had become another burden. One big list of you can't and that's not allowed. Somewhere along the way, so many rules and regulations were added specifying exactly what constituted work that the heart of Sabbath was lost. So Luke 13 tells us of a day when Jesus entered a synagogue on the Sabbath and healed a woman who had been crippled, bent over for 18 years. Imagine what that would have been like for her. Imagine like she's getting up every week and she is making her way, as tough as that may have been for her, to the weekly Sabbath celebrations and worship in the synagogue. It was probably a lot of effort for her to just get up and be present. And I suspect that the people in that synagogue knew who she was. Now, we don't know where Jesus is. We don't know, but he could be in one of those small fishing villages um, around the Galilee area. So this woman was likely known to people, right? Surely everybody knew who she was. So Jesus is in the synagogue and, and he sees this woman and he heals her of her ailment. And immediately she stands up straight and she begins praising God. Now, the, the leader of the synagogue was indignant. And so he immediately begins the process of damage control. We can't have this guy coming in and like messing up the order on our Sabbath day. And so he says to the crowd over and over and over again, no, 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 no. Like there are, this is not the way we do things. This is not proper. This is not proper order. There are six other days when you can come and you can be healed. You come on those days, but we don't do that on the Sabbath. Right? Instead of rejoicing with this woman, instead of like seeing this woman that he probably knew, standing up straight and giving glory to God and entering into her joy and celebration and worship, he's indignant. And so we see a blindness from him. We see a hardness of heart from him over this miraculous thing, this movement of God. 
that has just taken place in their midst. And so Jesus responds, not to the crowds of people, but to the leader, and therefore all the... So why does my mic keep going? Is it this one? Is there someone up there who can tell me? Anyway. Uppers really going in and out? Okay. All right. So he's speaking to the leadership of Israel when he speaks to this one synagogue leader. And he's pointing out the hypocrisy in his statement. He's highlighting this. He says that each one of you, on the Sabbath day, nonetheless, you will go and you will untie your donkey and you will untie your ox so that it can be led away to get water. In other words, in your own law about proper Sabbath keeping, there is room that you've put in there to properly care for and do what is best for your animals on the Sabbath. And so Jesus concludes this. If you understand, guys, if you understand that your animals deserve that kind of care, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, notice that wording there, has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage, on the Sabbath day. Jesus had this understanding of Sabbath, that it was not about rules and order as much as it is about people. The Sabbath was not something God gave you so that you could serve it. It was given for you. It serves you. And it is a day for being set free. Sabbath is about being set free. Now, I want to show you something cool. So if you just go back a few chapters to Luke 14, verses 16 through 21, you see Jesus launching his ministry, okay? So he's just been in the wilderness, and he's experienced this temptation in the wilderness. And he comes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes into the synagogue on a Sabbath day, and it tells us that was his custom. That's what he did regularly. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And so he unrolls the scroll, and he finds the place where this is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And while everybody was looking at him, everybody's eyes are fixed on Jesus, he says this, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What on earth is that about? Well, he is making a powerful statement about who he was, what he understood his mission to be, which was bringing good news to the poor. And listen, did you notice it? To release captives, to restore sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what is the year of the Lord's favor? Well, it's a reference to something called the year of Jubilee. Who's heard of Jubilee year from way? Oh, a few of you are going to learn something new. So after 
Every seventh, there would be seven Sabbath year. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year. After seven of those, you would have where you let the ground rest, right? It was a time for letting the ground kind of be restored and rest. After seven of those, you would have on the 50th year, a Jubilee year. And that year was a year where people were released from their debts. So if your family had a long-standing debt, and maybe there were some family members who were now enslaved to work and pay off this debt, they were released from that. The debt was completely forgiven, and they got to go home to their communities and their families. It was a day when any land that had belonged to your family that had been lost because of a debt, right, and someone else owned it. Guess what happened? That land returned back to its original owners. So things were restored and set right. And it was also a year for rest. It was also a year that they didn't harvest or reap, that the land got to rest as well. So Jesus comes in and says, I'm proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, Jubilee year. There is rest and there is release from captivity and there is the forgiveness of debts and there is all of this for you. And I'm telling you that this has been fulfilled right here, right now in me. I am your Jubilee, your Sabbath rest. I am the one who brings release to you from everything that holds you captive. Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment and the embodiment of true Sabbath. And he was calling out the truth that their Sabbath practice wasn't supposed to be an end to itself. It was pointing to something greater. It was a good practice. It was a healthy practice, but it was pointing to something, someone greater. And that someone greater had come and was with them. And so Jesus is inviting them to see him, to step into new life with him. And that was going to mean that they were going to have to let go of some things so that they could embrace a better thing and move forward with God in a new way that would bring them true freedom. You know, as I was working on this, I couldn't help but think about what Bruce told us about the years they lived in Alaska. Um, He said that during the months when there was no sunlight, which I'll just already say, no thank you. Like that would just not be something I would wanna do. But during those, those seasons when there was just no sunlight, he said everybody left their lamps on all the time. That they would even put extra lights up in the house. Like maybe like my little porch lights I have outside, maybe they were hanging those up inside the house and they would leave the lights on all the time because it was just so depressing otherwise. But then once the sun came back, right? Did they need those lights in the same way anymore? Did they need to leave the lights on inside all the time like that at night? Or at night, I mean like, I don't know, it was always night, but they didn't need the lights in the same way once the sun returned, right? It's not that their lights were wrong. It's just that what they were anticipating, the sun, it had finally arrived. And so the role and the necessity of the lights changed. But like if the people had insisted that everybody just still keep their lights on during the day all the time, because that's just what we do around here, that wouldn't make much sense. Again, they had served their purpose during a time when they were needed, but now the sun's here. And so you live in a new way based on this current reality. 
That was what Jesus was trying to help them see. And that is what the Lord is calling us to. He is always revealing to us a greater reality, a new way to live. He wants us to let go the things that hold us back and that keep us captive, even if our captivity is quite comfortable to us. Y'all, a lot of the stuff that's holding us back from our spiritual growth and formation is really comfortable stuff. And I don't know about you, but I really like to be comfortable. (laughs) I really like to be comfortable. But it's not real joy. It's insufficient to take me to the places that the Lord has for me, right? He wants me to experience a full and true abundance of joy and peace in him. All right, so those of you that are flipping around in your Bibles with me, I want you to go to number 6, verse 22, real quick. As we close, I want to show you something else. In number 6, 22, you're going to read this, and you're going to be like, I know this. This is familiar. This is um, called the blessing of Aaron, or it's also called the priestly benediction. Um, The priestly representatives were asked by Yahweh to speak blessing over his people. And the way they would do that was they would place Yahweh's name on them and they would speak this blessing over them and God, Yahweh, would bless them. And this is the blessing that they would speak. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you or Yahweh lift his face upon you and to give you peace. Yahweh bless you and keep you. In other words, Yahweh is your protection. Yahweh is the one who keeps you. Yahweh is your provider. Rest in that. Rest in that. You are not solely responsible for your own care and keeping. Your God sees you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and his face turn towards you. The face of God shining was a biblical image for a manifestation of Yahweh's power. So to say, may the Lord's face shine upon you is may you experience a manifestation of God's power at work in your life. And to say, may Yahweh lift his face toward you or lift up his countenance upon you is a way of saying when you walk into the room, Yahweh looks up. He notices you. He sees you. He pays attention to you. You are someone who Yahweh notices, someone he wants to face, not turn away from. You are someone Yahweh wants to bless. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for that woman in Luke 13? This woman who had faithfully walked into that synagogue, bent over, crippled, suffering probably in pain every Sabbath day. She walked in the room and Yahweh's face turned toward her. Did you notice that in the scripture passage? She didn't come asking Jesus for anything. Jesus saw her. Jesus took the initiative and approached her and he blessed her and he set her free 
from what had been holding her captive. That is the true spirit of Sabbath. And that's the kind of freedom God wanted his people to experience. If you will notice that my face is turned towards you, you will experience a manifestation of my power in your life. Step into that truth and live freely. And as followers of Jesus who've had the spirit of God poured into us, we are called to do the same. Each of us is called to speak blessing over each other. In the New Testament, it's talked about the priesthood of all believers. You are all priests in the family of God. You're called to speak blessing over each other. Each of us is called to treat one another the way God treats us to look up and see others when they come into the room, to do what is in our power, to set someone free when we, when we see that they are in bondage. And we do that not in our own power, not in our own strength, but in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. So that they and this entire community may experience the manifestation of God's power in our lives. Even on a Sunday morning with all of our order and all of our proper activity, even on a Sunday morning, if we come in expectant, that the Holy Spirit wants to work and move and we embrace that and we truly love God and truly love others, then what would happen among us? How will we be known in this community? We'll be known as people who embrace the power of God and he works through us to bring healing and peace. Eugene Peterson said, when we're living this life right, we pass on the God experience to the people we meet. They experience a piece of what we have experienced in God. That is who we are called to be, and that is true worship. Not going through the motions, not checking off boxes, not keeping everything the comfortable same way it's always been, but moving forward with God in love and concern for the people around us. So again, just to remind you, we want you to be checking in with yourself and asking, how is God calling me to move forward with him? What is my next right step that I can take to be obedient to that, to trust him, to humble myself enough, to let go of something, or to be willing to face some uncertainty because I believe that what God has for me is good. What is my next right step in serving other people? And how might God be calling me to grow in relationship with others and connection and community? Let's consider those things so that we don't become blind, hard-hearted people who show up every week for worship, but people who are soft and pliable and open to the movement of the Spirit around us, willing to move forward with the Lord however he would call us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for how you always turn your face toward us. And you are happy to see us, Lord. We matter to you. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us of all the ways that we have not turned our face towards others. That we have looked away from them and we have left them in their captivity. Oh, Lord, help us to be courageous in our own small ways 
in your strength and power to consider, how can I release someone today? Lord, release us from lesser things so that we can be your hands and feet in this world for others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing our closing hymn, but we want to remind you, this altar is available for you wide open. If you would like to come forward and just spend some time in prayer, maybe committing yourself um, to the Lord in a, in a deeper way, acknowledging something you need to let go of or something you need to bring into your life to help you be a more faithful follower of Jesus, we invite you to do that. Um, Keith and I will pray silently with you, or if you need more than that, you are welcome to let us know, and we'll pray specifically for your need. The altar is open. Mm -hmm.